And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again by Electrex Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And we have a bunch of new interesting stories this week covering a wide range of subjects. We'll start off with uh, a few different e-bikes as usual. The most recent debuts have been uh, a Honda electric bicycle. We've got uh, a new throttle bike from Giant Group. Uh, Domino's released an e-bike, Domino's Pizza, that is. That's going to be an interesting one to check out. We'll have a uh, an e-bike review coming in as well for an e-bike that doubles as a power station. We're going to take a look at, to me, what is the first cargo electric motorcycle I've seen. I don't know about you, Seth. And then we'll have uh, a few interesting stories to finish it off with a small ATV and an electric mini truck. So where are we starting first, Seth? All right. Honda shows off its first electric bicycle. Yeah, this one's kind of fun because um, we've seen automakers get into the e-bike game before, you know, releasing these concept models. But a Honda's actually looks like something that could be produced here. Um, we don't know too much about it. They've shown off at the um, uh, Tokyo Mobility Show a what looks like ready-to-produce electric bike here. It's a full-suspension mountain bike. Um, I've seen it reported that the motor is a Broza uh, mid-drive motor. I'm not sure if that's true. It's a little hard to tell by looking at it, um, but it, it very well may be. It doesn't look like they developed their own motor here. Uh, it's got some very nice components. We've got Fox suspension, RockShox dropper seat post. Uh, looks like those are Shimano four-piston brakes, uh, SRAM, Eagle, drivetrain. So, you know, really high-end stuff. This isn't cheap stuff. Obviously, Honda is a um, very well accomplished motorcycle makers. So they're not going to come in with an e-bike that is just like a, you know, thousand dollar Amazon type of bike. Uh, but we don't know is if they're actually going to produce this. And if so, when they showed this off at a mobility show and Honda's really gotten into micro mobility. It took them a number of years, both on the car side and the two wheeler side, but they've really made inroads with uh, a couple different full-size electric scooters, um, a smaller folding scooter, and now their first electric bike they're showing off. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, to me, though, I'm surprised that they went the mountain bike direction, um, especially since you know they have so many um, great street bikes that just it seemed a bit strange. Obviously, you know Honda does uh, dirt bikes as well, but it's just a, a surprising move to go this direction to me. But it seems like they've really designed something interesting here. Uh, Seth, I know you're really into mountain biking. What do you think of this setup? It looks it looks solid. Um, you know, we'd love to see the, the full suspension, the Maxxis. You know, I'm a Broza fan, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Japanese bike, Japanese company using a, a German um, motor when, I mean, I guess it's not that weird, but like Panasonic's nearby. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Japanese motorbikes. Yeah, absolutely. It's also strange that they just didn't try to develop their own motor because, I mean, Honda obviously has some serious design chops, right? Like, I mean, a lot of people call them an engine company that makes motorcycles to go around their engines. Right. So obviously, you know, an electric motor is a bit different than a combustion engine, but it's just not that complicated. If anything, I'd say it's significantly simpler because there are just so many fewer parts. Yamaha already builds their own electric bike motors. Like I'm a bit surprised Honda didn't try to get into that game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's also kind of surprising that this came out during the Tokyo, you know, they call it a mobility show, but it's really the auto show when Honda has like a whole, you know, off-road uh, motorcycle world business. I'm surprised that, you know, it's not more aligned with that. I guess this is kind of seen as like an accessory to a vehicle. Maybe that's the thinking. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, a lot of these shows are kind of trying to push the, like, we're not just car shows, we're mobility. And, right. And that could be the direction they're going here as well. Um, but, I mean, wh whatever the reasoning was in, like, the um, smoky executive room that decided to push this out, I'm glad they did because it's exciting to see. And uh, I, I really hope they do push it to market. The The one thing that does strike me a bit odd here is that the suspension, like it's great to see full suspension and it looks like good quality parts, but they went with a really simple single pivot design. Like this in theory is the same type of suspension you'll see on a Walmart bike that like, it's just a straight spring. There's no linkage. There's no nothing, just a, a swing arm and a spring. So for like a real, you know, downhill competitive mountain bike, this is 
a bit uh, entry level in terms of the the design and the suspension. So a bit surprising to me, but I'm definitely excited to see Honda at least designing in this direction. And if they actually produce it, which they have the means to do, would be even better in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, good to see this coming. Uh, and, it, you know, as you mentioned before, uh, there's other companies doing this. Obviously, Porsche is probably one of the most serious in that game since they, you know, they purchased Grape, which actually this bike reminds me a little bit of a Grape bike. Um, I don't know if it's the proportions or or what, but, um, you know, other automakers are getting into the e-bike business. Uh, Mercedes, is, we've seen some stuff from them, although that might have been um, outsourced. You know, obviously Jeep is loaning their name to some quiet cats and there's a lot of different options out there from car companies. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Peugeot might be one of the the companies that's done the most in terms of in-house development of bikes. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a pretty good um, bike history and, and that's obviously not white labeling. Like you, you know, you're saying a lot of these companies just sort of put a sticker on. Right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Momentum's first electric bicycle with a throttle also has a neat glove box. So Momentum, uh, if you're not familiar with this brand, it actually started several years ago uh, as another um, sort of sub-brand of Giant or Giant's parent, Giant Group. Um, Giant does very nice, you know, higher-end bikes, but they wanted to create a uh, uh, more of a lifestyle brand that could do less like sporty, you know, exercise bikes and, uh, you know, less mountain stuff and more into the um, the hybrids, the commuter bikes, that sort of thing. And so that's what Momentum does. But they've really gained traction in the last few years with their electric bikes. And now we're seeing their first model, which is also Giant Group's first model, with a throttle in the new Cito E+. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. It's C-I-T-O. Uh, I don't know how else to, to pronounce it. But this is an interesting sort of utility bike. Um, just superficially to me, it looks like a lot like the Radrunner 3 Plus. Uh, very angular. It's a step through like a lot of the utility bikes we see, but they've done some interesting things here. For one, uh, it's surprisingly powerful and with a with a large battery. Uh, you know, we rarely see 750 watt motors from these bike shop brands, you know, companies like uh, Trek, Giant Specialized, etc. They generally come into the market with more of these 250, 350 watt motors, that sort of thing, because they're a little more traditionalists in the bicycle space. But this maxes out the allowable power at 750 watts. Uh, it is a rear uh, hub motor. You know, we see that a lot with these sort of uh, lower um, entry level bike shop bikes. So, um, you know, don't be surprised when you see the hub motor there. But 750 watts is great. Next, uh, it's got a very large battery at 780 watt hours, which again, for a bike shop bike is huge. We're often used to seeing these sort of like 350 watt hour batteries or so on these bikes that have focused on lighter weight design. So that's great to see. Um, it's also a class three bike, so it can get up to 28 miles per hour. Again, uh, I know I'm like a broken record here, but we rarely see that from these higher end bike companies. So really nice to see that they're uh, interested in these higher speeds as well. But to me, the most exciting thing here is that they've designed a ton of accessories to go with this bike all sorts of different cargo things. Uh, if you're watching the the video here with us, you can see that they've got an option for a moped style seat, which is interesting in that it is a long seat, kind of like you'd see on a Super 73 or something, but it's adjustable height. So you can still move it up and down and make sure you're getting that proper leg extension for um, safe and comfortable pedaling. But what might be the most interesting of the uh, different accessories is that they have this add-on top bar that will basically turn this into sort of a more traditional diamond frame bike. And within that top tube is a uh, glove box of sorts that you can open up and stash some things in there, you know, some tools, um, a spare inner tube, maybe your gloves, that sort of thing. And so I think this is perhaps only the second time I've ever seen a a glove box on an e-bike. The first time was with the um, Serial One, their highest end bike, actually had a built-in glove box that could fit a lock, which was pretty neat. But to me, it's really cool to see not only are they making this very powerful, very capable utility bike, but they're coming in with a ton of interesting accessories 
which is really what sort of makes or breaks on these utility bikes. Cause you know, these don't look the best. They're not like the most um, active style bikes, but they're designed for work and getting things done. So if you've got a pile of different cargo accessories, people carriers, racks, bags, glove boxes, apparently, then that can really add to these, uh, you know, the usefulness, the utility of this style of e-bike. So great to see this from Giant, um, really expanding the type of bikes that they're offering. Uh, Seth, I know you're a fan of these sort of moped um, utility style bikes. What do you think of the Cito E+. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the same reaction as you. I really like the accessories, um, both new ideas. Um, <clears throat> it would be interesting to see how quickly uh, you can raise and lower the seat, although, you know, theoretically, you would just put it to your your height. Um, you know, the, the, the ladder thing in the back, I'm, I'm not sure how, uh, you know, how, how quickly it works or, if, you know, it's easy to, to, to adjust. But it is cool to see that. Um, you know, other bike companies like Juiced have like riser seats that you can buy, but they're not adjustable. And, you know, if you want to put a kid on one or whatever, it's it's a little bit um, less flexible. As far as the, the bar thing <clears throat> with the glove box, I like the idea. But I think, you know, if you're going to have an accessory like that, like sure, that that's a great option. And, you know, theoretically, it could be inexpensive. But I kind of like what Rad does with that huge box that they they allow you to kind of put between your legs. Definitely, um, you know, maybe somewhere in between. You know, maybe not something not so wide, but maybe a little deeper or something. Or, you know, like somewhere you could put your helmet as well as your gloves. Um, you would have to have very narrow gloves to fit in this, or, you <laughs> know, very thin gloves to fit in this one. But um, it's a cool, like it's a great idea. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, some variety there uh, works. Um, I do love seeing, like, the bike shop brands kind of, I don't want to say capitulating, but, you know, kind of acknowledging that there's a big market for these moped-type bikes. Um, yeah, you know, they know that. they You know, you can walk outside in Santa Monica and you see, like, 100 of these things. So um, it's just uh, good to see more, more uh, variety in these things. And, you know, the bike shop brands um, obviously are going to focus a little bit more on the higher end quality stuff. So great to see that these these are coming out. Um, yeah. And the fact that they recognize that a throttle is so important to a lot of people. You know, there's right. so many people that just don't look at an e-bike if it doesn't have a throttle. So I think that's, you know, showing some real awareness on their part. Um, it says 750 watt. Uh, you know, obviously you want to be legal in the U.S., uh, 28 miles per hour top speed um, by class three. Um, do we know like what the uh, peak wattage output is on this? No, it didn't say. And I, I'm not surprised that they aren't, you know, advertising that figure the way that a lot of the, um, you know, direct to consumer brands wave that number around more freely. Right. right. Yeah, they, they kind of want to keep it all lined up. They probably have like actual lawyers telling them what to do instead of <laughs> the, you know, the, the leader so of the company it? just like, yeah, let's put those online legal services or like yeah, Rocket Zoom or something. Yeah, Bruno, Bruno's uh, legal, <laughs> e bike legal service. Yeah. All right, great, great to see. Um, all right, this one's fun. Uh, we talked about this uh, when, when it came out quite a bit. Uh, Domino's to use this flashy new delivery electric bike with built-in pizza oven. Yeah, I, I love this thing from so many different directions. Uh, I really hope you're watching this because you really got to see it. If you're just listening, I'll try to describe it. Uh, Domino's came out with this electric bike for delivering pizzas. It looks like almost sort of a retro step-through bike. It's got a thick down tube, um, but on the back is this futuristic, almost like space age looking pizza oven that has uh, an LED readout of how hot it is. So you can make sure that the oven's staying hot while you're riding, I guess. And that way delivery riders don't have to rely just on an insulated bag, but you can get your pizza delivered at the optimum temperature. But that's not enough. The bike also, in addition to its uh, pretty slick looking red, white, and blue colorway, has these uh, blue luminescent rims and what appears to be some type of charging light on the frame so that as you're riding it's charging up the the luminescent rim paint and your wheels glow kind of like a tron cycle while you're riding at night so the whole thing is just like super lit up super 
brightly colored in Domino's uh, colorway there. But obviously the coolest part is this like space station looking <laughs> pizza oven on back. It kind of um, looks like I, an old, uh, <clears throat> it looks like a uh, Looney Tunes uh, jet engine almost. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Especially with like the, the glowing red in the back. It just looks like it's, you know, getting ready to fire afterburners or something. Right. This thing is like, I want to ride this as my actual around town bike. That's how cool this thing looks. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, though, the really funny thing is that they sort of like skimped on the actual bike part. For example, I haven't seen a new e-bike with rim brakes in, I don't even know how, like years since I've seen uh, an e-bike with rim brakes come out. I think the event in Solterra was the last one, and that was almost like kind of retro as a uh, road bike. So it's kind of funny that there's a few areas like that. Um, they also have this like retro looking rear um, double-sided kickstand, though I think that's probably a good idea because that pizza box on back is, I'm guessing, pretty heavy. So you got a nice, wide, stable uh, parking stand there. Uh, though I, I know that, Seth, you and I kind of debated on whether this was an oven or a just a, a pizza warmer. Warmer, yeah. When it came out. Uh, to, to Domino's credit, they refer to it as a forced air pizza oven. The highest temperature we see it set at is 68C, which is um, like 160. I don't know. I'm not used to converting that high of a temperature. <laughs> Let's see. 68C in F. 154. Whoa, I was so close. All right. I was close on that one. Nice but yeah, so I'm not sure that's quite oven temperature. But to be fair, anytime I've gone into a pizza shop, and they say, do you want me to warm it up for you? They put it in an oven. So I don't know. I will give, it to, you. We'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> I agree. Uh, so, you know, I, I looked at this thing first and, you know, obviously we look at uh, motors. I looked in the middle, didn't see a um, mid drive, looked in the back and see a rear hub motor. It's actually in the front and that's uh, not too common these days either. Um, especially, uh, you know, on, on newer bikes, um, the uh, Van Moof is one of the ones that had it. And um, I also made a snow bike uh, that had a front motor, which doesn't doesn't really <laughs> handle very well. Like that steering is kind of kind of a mess. So but this is again, you mentioned um, the actual bike pieces are a little bit lower end. Um, so this this motor looks pretty uh pretty small. So, you know, it, it'll certainly help the, the rider get that pizza uh, over to the customers, but maybe not as quick as we'd hoped. And also we have to think about like that huge kind of weird looking battery um, has a lot of pizza heating uh, to do. <laughs> so um, maybe uh, making the motor a more uh, efficiency uh, focused one is is kind of more important keep that pizza warm than uh, the high speed aspect of everything. Yeah. There, there's some interesting design choices here. I feel like there are two very different teams on this project, right. the pizza team and the bike team. Right. They, they might not have been paid the same based on the product that came out at the end. That's true. Uh, but we did uh, talk about this. You mentioned um, perhaps putting the motor on the front puts a little bit more weight in the front and that kind of offsets the, uh, the huge amount of pizza that you would be taking, uh, which is mounted behind or above and behind a little bit, the rear wheel. So, uh, we're trying to offset some of that weight. So the, you don't wheelie out, uh, when you throw a bunch of pizza in there. Yeah. I, th I think with a rear motor, you'd definitely be in wheelie territory on this yep. thing. Cool. Um, then, we should note that uh, if you're in the U.S., you should not expect to see Domino's running these things around, you know, Brooklyn or anything anytime soon. Unfortunately, this is only going to be in the Domino's Pizza Enterprises markets, which is in 12 countries, but not the U.S. So they're based in Australia, but it'll be in, I think, like the Netherlands, Belgium, um, several Asian countries, and Australia and New Zealand. So uh, if you're buying a pizza down under... It might come in one of these, but just remember to flip it upside down so that you don't get cheese everywhere. Yeah, I almost kind of want to see one of those in action. It might be worth the trip. Field trip. All right. Yeah, field trip. 
All right, this one, this one uh, is my review. Uh, the mock wheel, or is it moke wheel? What do you, how do you pronounce it? I was going moke wheel, but I feel like if they're not here to tell us, then we have to make our own interpretation. All right, moke wheel obsidian fat tire e bike boasts a solar power station, and we should note that um, you uh, also did a moke wheel scoria review um, in March, um, which has basically the same motor inverter. Um, but they sent me the actual solar panels as well. So that was kind of nice. Um, so this, this is kind of something that Mike and I've talked about a ton, uh, which is like, Hey, you have this huge, you know, nearly kilowatt hour battery in this bike and, and you have really nothing besides bike output to show for it. You can't, you know, power your house or you can't, you know, back up your refrigerator or have a campsite or do anything. There's no other way to get the electricity out of that huge battery. And, you know, companies like Jackery and EcoFlow and others, they sell these things for, you know, thousands of dollars that, you know, wouldn't cost that much to to put on a bike. And so um, Mockwheel is the first company that we know of that's kind of commercializing the ability to pull the power out of um the battery and and they do it at one kilowatt which is i think probably the perfect um, yeah. amount of power so that's the same amount of power that's going to the uh to the uh, motor it's a one kilowatt motor and um in my implementation they also sent me a uh a little solar panel array um it kind of folds up into a, a suitcase like thing here you can see and um Folds out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different panels. And um, I think it's got about 230 watts of uh, solar power. Now, oh, obviously, yeah, obviously we're in the uh, later part of the year. It's getting cold. The sun's going down a little bit. When I hook up uh, the solar panels to the to the mock wheel um, obsidian, um, I started at like 85%. And a couple hours later, it had gotten me up to like, uh, mid nineties, um, in terms of, uh, a power for, to the battery. So you're not going to, you know, charge from nothing to full in a day with these solar panels, but, um, you do get some like real power from them. And I can see like, if you're in Arizona or something, you could probably just get by with these solar panels. Um, and then of course you, you set the whole thing up, um, and you can, you know, theoretically, power a lot more than just, um, you know, with the solar panels, you can power a laptop or a projector. Uh, they offered a couple of ideas I thought were kind of funny, an ice shaver, a blender, pressure cooker, <laughs> coffee maker, camera, phone, TV, CPAP. So I don't know if you'd really want to do that, but apparently you could put your CPAP on there, uh, mini refrigerator, light, laptop, electric grill. One thing, so I thought it would be cool uh, if I could charge the Rivian, uh, you know, big electric EV uh, with the setup. And I, I think the problem was because, you know, you can lower the class one charging, uh, level one charging down to eight amps. And that's, you know, 110 volts. So theoretically, that's under um, a kilowatt. But I think the fact that it doesn't have a real ground, uh, mm. the Rivian kind of didn't like that. So wasn't able to charge the Rivian. Uh, thought that would be a cool photo op, and so I, I did, I did include those anyway. So, what what is your like big takeaway on this this uh, idea? Well, first of all, I love that they've really gone pretty pretty heavy into the solar here. It's not one of these like throwaway fifty watt panels. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If they're gonna do solar, they're gonna give you like a freaking huge eight segment two hundred and thirty watt panel, yep. which I really respect that. Um, plus it's impressive how small that thing folds up. It looks like it's briefcase sized or smaller. Yeah. It's like a little briefcase. Um, and it's pretty, you know, it's obviously pretty easy to uh, fold out and I don't know if you can see it from here, but, um, that little line that's across, um, allows you to kind of mount it at an angle. You can see on this picture mounted at an angle that's optimum for, um, gathering sun. So it's, right. it's a, it's a solid setup. I mean, it's not cheap. I think that they're five ninety nine. Uh, the solar panel thing is five ninety nine, which you know, if you're going on just panel cost, is a little pricey. But 
it's a great setup um, with the portability and the, the how everything works really well together. Yeah, definitely. And those folding panels are always more expensive. I think that five ninety nine is probably within range of uh, Jackery's price per watt and all those mm-hmm. other you know power station companies that make the folding panels. Yeah. Um, so you know, I love seeing that. Uh, I wish it had been able to charge the Rivian. That would have been awesome. But uh, I think you're right about the ground. I had that problem on uh, the Harley Davidson Livewire when I was actually staying with Fred. That the garage that uh, he had, I couldn't plug it in because it didn't have a grounded outlet. So I'm, I'm sure that's your problem there. But as far as the bike goes, it looks pretty interesting. The the dual suspension is nice. I mean, they're they're actually approaching this from you know, a uh, nicer design on, on both sides from the power station side and from the bike, you know, it doesn't look like they're, they're cheaping out too much. So I like to see that. Sure. Um, I, I definitely respect that, that they're, you know, not just trying to make like a, a cheap carbon copy bike to be able to offer a power station or going with like, you know, cheap uh, inverter and solar panel with a good bike to be able to say, oh yeah, it does dual purpose. Uh, I respect that they're, they're actually you know, putting in the effort on both sides here to create what looks like a pretty nice bike and an actually effective power station setup. So that that's great in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the bike itself was actually like surprisingly impressive to me. Like the suspension worked really well. I mean, you got three different, um, you know, the, the, the tires are obviously soft, the seats soft, and you got great suspension there. Um, the, the, there were three downsides I, I noted to the bike. One is you can see there the um, the rear light is just a you know USB uh, battery. Uh, yeah. you, know, you, pop, you, you strap it on. Um, you see this Shimano Altus uh, uh, derailleur in the back. Um, that's a little bit mid range, um, although it worked really well. Like I had no problems with it. It just you know everything else on this is a little bit more top shelf. Uh, so that was a little bit surprising. And then um, there was a third thing. What was the third thing that I didn't love? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Great bike over. Oh, you know what? The uh, the motor uh, peaks at one kilowatt. Um, with this, you know, it's a seventy-seven pound bike. Uh, one kilowatt is good. Um, I actually, with pedaling, got it up thirty miles per hour. But um, you know, we're we're kind of used to peaks in the one point three kilowatt, one point five kilowatt area at this point with these you know bigger bikes, and um, it gives a little bit more pull, but. You know, I think most people are going to be very happy with this. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they've done a great job with it. Uh, I agree, though. I hate when companies include those, like, rechargeable standalone lights. It just, like, if anything, I mean, it's not better to not include a light, but it almost is because it just feels like it reduces the quality when they just toss in something like that. Yeah. it's And it's weird because they they really did a lot of thoughtful stuff on here, and the front light is really bright, and it's you know, it's dual led. You can see pretty well at night. You can aim it around really great. And then like, what, like they just threw this thing in the the back. Like they almost forgot to, to put the, uh, the battery. Um, the other thing is like, I noticed you had your, um, inverter attachment, um, mounted to the bike. Um, there wasn't really nowhere on the, the mock wheel to mount it. I was, I tried to mount it below, um, you know, the top tube there, but it was kind of just getting in the way. And so I ended up having to put it on the, the seat post, which wasn't great because like when the suspension would go down in the, in the back, I would kind of rub <laughs> rub it. Oh, so that's, that, that's not good. That's not good, no. So <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to opt to, when I use this thing, probably just carry it separately. Um, I could have probably also put it on the front. But I mean, that that gets to kind of my, you know, overall point is like, why not include that in, you know, like make it a snap on thing or make it part of the bike that you can actually just plug in stuff. I mean, I, I get like, maybe it's cool to pull off the battery and, and, you know, put it on a table or something, but um, it's also, it would also be cool just to plug in, you know, a, a 110 uh, volt uh, AC plug right into the bike. I think that would be super cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would love to see that too, but I imagine the engineering that would go into that, also the waterproofing, the shock proofing, right. would would be a big undertaking. Yeah, but uh, we don't want to uh, not give credit to um, Mockwheel. Uh, I think this is a great product. Um, a little pricey, but uh, there is a pretty interesting Black Friday. I don't know if you saw this uh, 
kind of deal they have. <laughs> the accessories you get for a hundred bucks, you get a bike cover, holding <laughs> lock, helmet, phone mount, suspension seat post. So another like suspension thing, water bottle holder, rear view mirrors, padded saddle, front mounted basket, bike trunk bag. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Those trunk bags are actually really nice too. They look kind of gimmicky, but I've seen a couple that those side pouches open into panniers and yep. there's a lot of storage there. Yeah. Uh, Pettigo actually had a, you know, I think it's the same company that's just, you know, rebranding, but uh, Pettigo sells these as well. They're really nice. Yeah. That's a good deal. I mean, if you're looking for something like this and this is, you know, sort of the wild west of bikes being used as power stations right now. So for not a lot of entries in the market, they've done a good job starting out. Yep. I agree. All right, uh, moving on, uh, we have ever seen a cargo motorcycle? PNY just unveiled these 60 mile per hour electric workhorses. So I saw these for the first time last week at the Milan Motorcycle Show. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. Basically, it's the same idea as a cargo bike, but in a motorcycle format. So if you give up like wanting to look cool, then suddenly you can have a lot of space on a motorcycle. In this case, they've designed the entire center of the frame to be open. So you can either stick multiple of those big food delivery bags in there, or this company also makes a big, uh, looks like it's a blow molded plastic trunk, basically, that's uh, locking. So you can have, you know, a giant storage compartment in there. I think they said that the total storage capacity on this thing is something like 400 liters, which um, to put that into perspective, a lot of um, sort of small family cars will have a trunk that's between like 200, 400 liters. So, um, you know, compared to a city car, you can carry just as much, perhaps more on this motorcycle than you could in the trunk of a city car, which is pretty impressive. Now, what is this designed for? Uh, you know, it's, I think the market here is for all those cases where a cargo e-bike would be nice for deliveries, but there's just too many sort of bigger roads, faster roads than you'd be comfortable or a delivery driver would be comfortable taking a cargo e-bike. If you're like, you know, in the heart of Manhattan, a cargo e-bike is probably fine. But if you're in a lot of these sort of suburban uh, scenarios or even cities that have sort of like urban highways going through them, this is a motorcycle that can get up over 60 miles an hour. So you can take a highway if you needed to. But it's also narrow. You can slip through traffic and it can function basically along the lines of a uh, electric cargo bike, just not being able to go into bike lanes. Um, we don't have pricing yet, I don't believe, uh, though it is going to target uh, companies. So I'm not sure if they're actually going to sell these to individuals. Um, and they're going to start with their two-wheeled model. Uh, if you're watching the, the feed here with us, they also have a three-wheeled model you can see there, but they're still in testing with that model. It's not expected to come out anytime soon. Um, the two-wheeled model is just starting production now, so they're expecting uh, the first units to be coming uh, early next year. So we could actually start seeing these around Europe. Um, they're not homologated yet for the U.S., so... Um, just like the Domino's e-bike, you know, we don't get any of the cool toys in the U.S. just yet. But to me, I think it's a really cool design and it, and it speaks to sort of the one of the limitations to electric cargo bikes for delivery is just that, you know, they're limited in speed. So if you have bigger roads, they can be a bit tricky. Um, could you see yourself doing deliveries at 60 miles per hour on a cargo motorcycle, Seth? Uh, maybe not me. Uh, I'd probably be more of the uh, cargo bike type of delivery guy. Um, but I, I have to wonder, um, did you, were they, uh, did they allow you to, to hop on these things? Cause I wonder what it's like to have like between your legs, one of those big, uh, like, is it distracting or is it easy to ride with, with those big, uh, boxes between your legs? Yeah, I didn't actually try this one. So it's a good question, but I have to imagine that some of the, you know, larger motorcycles, especially like a Goldwing or something or anything with a pretty large engine, your knees are, are pretty far apart to begin with. Um, even on like the zeros that I've ridden, I mean, those are big batteries between your mm -hmm. knees. So I'm not sure it'd be too much wider. It might be comparable to some of the larger motorcycles out there. And what's like the weight? Uh, like, did they give you kind of a general idea of the amount of weight that these things can take? Um, it's a good question. I don't recall it off the top of my head. I think I had it in here somewhere. Um, but I saw so many bikes in two days that it's hard to, uh, 
keep track. No, I don't see it in here. So I'll have to look that one up for next but, time. But the idea is kind of just like it's, it's delivery. Oh, it looks like it can carry up to 120 kilograms of cargo. Oh, so yeah. 265 pounds of cargo and has 14 cubic feet of storage space. So as you mentioned, that's, that's bigger than some tiny cars. Yeah. So there's, um, you know, there's a lot of potential here for carrying things. Um, those, those, uh, sort of fabric bags that we see on there. Normally you see one of those on a cargo bike, like that's delivering, you know, Uber Eats or DoorDash. So this thing can fit three of them. Right. For the big, uh, catered events. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. And, and everybody loves CarPlay. So that'll be cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving forward. Uh, here's how Tesla cleverly relaunched its cyber quad for kids by skirting ATV laws. <laughs> so if you're, if you're not familiar, um, we don't get to talk about Tesla very much on this podcast, but from what I understand, it's an automotive company in the U S right, Seth? Mostly, mostly. Uh, okay. So I hear, <laughs> I hear they make cars and, and some things, but, um, a few years ago, they, they unveiled this uh, funny-looking pickup truck, and at the same time, they also showed off this uh, electric ATV that they uh, have not produced yet. It's supposed to be called the CyberQuad, but what they have produced a couple years ago in partnership with Radio Flyer is a kid version called the CyberQuad for kids. They released it a couple years ago. Uh, the thing sold like hotcakes because whenever Tesla's name is on a product, people just buy them apparently. Uh, but very quickly, it was um, the subject of a recall from the Consumer Product Safety Commission because they said that it was not a ride-on toy as Tesla and uh, Radio Flyer considered it to be, but instead it was an ATV or specifically a youth ATV. And if you know anything about ATVs in the US, you know that they are heavily regulated. And uh, so it did not meet regulations for a youth ATV and Tesla had to recall them. Uh, about a year later, we're getting our first look at how they relaunched the CyberQuad. And uh, it's interesting because they only made three changes, and two of them were basically just putting a warning tag on it or like a sticker um, for certain areas. But the one big modification that's actually structural is they say they removed the underseat spring, which is not very clear, but I have one of these, and the only spring I can find on it is the suspension in the rear. There's a, uh, a rear swing arm for the solid axle. So it looks like they've basically taken the ATV and they've turned it into a rigid frame uh, by removing the single pivot rear suspension in the rear. And that seems to have allowed them to come to some agreement with the uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission that this is now more similar to a ride-on toy than an actual ATV. I guess by saying it doesn't have suspension, it's not really meant for like off-road riding and that sort of thing. And it's more meant for, you know, kids going around a, a driveway or a yard or something like that. So they were able to relaunch this thing by basically getting around ATV laws that originally um, squashed their uh, their attempt to uh, sell this thing in the US. They've continued to sell it in Europe and in China, um, where I believe it still has the suspension. I will say that with the model that I have, the suspension is not great, but it does kind of help. Uh, the The weight limit on this thing is 150 pounds, and I'm close enough to it that I felt fine riding it myself. And the suspension is is kind of nice to have there. So it's, it's a shame to see it go. Um, but I'm glad to see they have it back out because it is a really fun thing to ride around. And we've actually put it to use on my parents' property. I added a tow hitch on back and um, my dad uses it to tow a uh, fertilizer uh, like a slinger, um, those kind that you often see like being pushed around and also a sprayer for the uh, long driveway. So uh, it's a pretty neat little vehicle. So I just came up with the uh, probably what will be the biggest story in Electrex history. Uh, a pool contest between the uh, the CyberQuad and the uh, Chinese electric truck that everybody loves. <laughs> oh gosh, sounds like a dragging contest. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that would be I think that would be quite popular, judging by how much people love both of those things. Um, did you like? I don't think you mentioned like why the uh, consumer product safety board or whatever. Um, there was an incident where I think it was a woman fell off of it, the cyber quad or something. And that's yes. what spurred this on. 
Yeah. So I think that's what brought it to their attention. There was a woman, I think she was in her thirties that fell off and got a bruise, um, right. I think was the, the story. And I think that sort of put this on the CPSC's radar, but the ultimate sort of like ruling that came down of why they could say like, you got to stop this was because they classified it as an ATV. And that meant that it was within their jurisdiction. Um, because once it's a ride-on toy, it's subject to like totally different regulations. Right. So basically they got around the CPSC's, uh, ATV regulations by making some structural changes and basically saying like, you guys don't get to, you know, make the decision here anymore because we're not under your umbrella. So dumb. Uh, (laughs) what a, what a shame. Like they just take the suspension off and slap a sticker on and all of a sudden, uh, it's a kid's toy. Uh, but, uh, I have noticed that, uh, Tesla's, uh, cyber truck, uh, rear area is getting smaller. It seems like, um, so maybe this is, maybe this is what Tesla is going to just have in the back (laughs) now. Uh, cause this is probably the only thing that'll fit in the back, back storage area. Now I think there's only, it's like six feet long. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I actually had it in the back of my mini truck and it took up almost the full bed. Yeah. All right. Uh, last story. Uh, speaking of the mini China Chinese truck, uh, two years after buying my $2,000 electric truck from China, here's how it looks now. So if anyone remembers, uh, two years ago, I bought this electric mini truck from China. I found it on Alibaba. I had it sort of customized with all of the features that I wanted, air conditioning, a few other things. And then I had it shipped to my parents' ranch in Florida, where it was destined to become a, a work truck. Um, a lot of people thought it wasn't going to last, which in the beginning, I didn't blame them. I was also not sure while it was on its long journey over from China, uh, how well it would be made. But I quickly found that they actually did a pretty good job building this thing. And now two years later... I can say that it's held up incredibly well. Um, almost nothing has actually broken on it. Uh, we did break one reflector on the back, but that was our fault. My dad tilted up the the dump bed into the burn pile and broke something. Um, so uh, the nice thing was I just took off the other reflector on the other side and we bought some nice. you know, standard reflectors, uh, which shows like, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to have like an OEM catalog with all the, the parts you can make do with what you have. But we've also done a number of upgrades on it. So um, a few things you can see there that the tires are now knobby tires. Uh, we found, I think they're ATV tires actually, that uh, fit the wheels. So replaced the original um, just sort of almost slick street tires with the knobby tires, which makes it a lot better uh, riding around on the pasture land. Um, also the, the bed there was getting really scratched up from, you know, pitchforks and stuff, scrape and mulch out. So I used a paint in bed liner. Uh, what's interesting though, is that even in the areas where a pitchfork had gone through the paint down to the bare metal, it wasn't really rusting very much. So it shows they did a really good job of, um, rust proofing the actual, uh, body of the truck, which is surprising. Um, I also, you can see the, in the before picture, like, you know, we, we really beat this thing up. Like it's very much a work truck on the property. And, uh, so that paint in bed liner is just so nice. Now I should have done that earlier, but it really added like a nice, uh, thick protective coating in there. Um, see, I changed out the springs It had like, I'm guessing something like 400 pound springs. So I changed those to a hundred pound and the suspension is just so much nicer now. Uh, also added a tow hitch in the back. <coughs> And so now I can actually uh, tow my boat and uh, take it out of the the little lake there on my parents' property, which is nice. We don't use it that much, but I mean, a lot of pickup trucks don't use their tow hitches that much either. So I don't feel too bad about it. I like that it's there for for when I need it. But um, basically, I mean, the the thing to report is that it's just working great. And uh, I almost like all the people that were kind of haters in the beginning are like, that thing's going to fall apart in a few months. Like I'm almost kind of smug the fact that how well it's, it's stood up. And, uh, I think it's just a testament that you can have very nice things made in China. You know, like there's this stigma that things aren't produced as well, but the, the real message here is that like, you know, you can have things made cheaply or you can have things made well. And it really just depends how much a company wants to invest in the design and the, and the production. Now, you know, there are some things that aren't as nice, you know, the, the body gaps aren't great. Like, you know, this isn't a high quality product, 
but it has lasted very well. It's held up to two years of actual work use, you know, getting used uh, very frequently. And it is, it's basically going great. Um, I'm, I couldn't be happier. And is, uh, I noticed the solar panel still on the roof. Is that providing a meaningful amount of electricity or is it kind of decorative? It, it does provide some, it's basically extended the intervals for how long we have to charge it. We used to charge it maybe every 10 days, you know, two weeks or so, depending um, how much we're using it each day. Now we can get away with maybe like two and a half to three weeks. Hmm. So it's just sort of trickle charging it when it's outside. Um, it doesn't replace the fact that we have to plug it in every now and again, because it's right. only a 50 watt panel. But uh, there are you know, days that if it's just sitting outside, not being used, it'll just about replace the, uh, the energy that we used that day. So um, you know, if I had gone with a bigger panel, there's a chance that it could have like totally offset the energy used, but I also didn't want it to be so big that it extended past the, um, the rack up there. So for me, it's, it's nice that it just, you know, makes it so we don't have to remember to plug it in as often. And, and what's your kind of like big takeaway? I know there's some, uh, even some us, like, what is it called? Tang? Uh, there's a couple like, uh, more kind of K car style, um, pickups we've seen in Japan and, and maybe even in the U S what is like the state of the, uh, the mini truck? Yeah, definitely. So we're, we're starting to see, um, a few options in the U S there's one called Aero from, uh, Texas that, uh, is built down there. And uh, it's a very nice looking, um, sort of, um, cab over, uh, electric mini truck. It's like $35,000. So it's very expensive. Uh, full disclosure, mine, I have a, a little over $8,000 in it now. And that included everything, um, you know, the upgraded batteries, air conditioning, shipping from China, you know, all the other upgrades. So still not like super cheap, but uh, much cheaper than the American built models. But I think the point is that the fact that we're even starting to see options shows that people are sort of like opening their mind to like, oh, yeah, maybe like I don't need a lifted F-150 for everything. Maybe like my small landscaping business or like my uh, hobby farm just needs a small, light electric truck that, you know, is good for hauling things around, basically like a an oversized golf cart kind of thing. And And I think that as more people realize that, that these are going to become more important vehicles in the larger space. Obviously it's not going to replace like a contractor van or a roofing truck, that sort of thing. But for certain types of uses, like the stuff that we use it on my parents' property, which is like, you know, moving mulch, landscaping, that kind of stuff. It's, it's really all you need. And it's silly to buy a, you know, $40,000 truck when something so small and efficient does the exact same job. You know what else is silly to buy a used gem with a uh, pickup back. Uh, that runs on uh, 12 volt batteries. Uh, I regret that. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I left uh, the power on, or or one of my family members who will not be named uh, left the uh, power on, and then killed all the 12 volt batteries. And it turned out to be a little bit easier just to get rid of it than it was to replace all the 12 volt batteries or upgrade to a uh, you know a lithium setup. But um, there's a, there is absolutely a need. We have you know trees that fall in, in the back of our property, we cut them up. And, you know, we, right now I have uh, a Ryobi uh, tractor that we put a trailer on, but it's not quite as robust as a, um, a little pickup like this. So I, I'd certainly see a need for, for these, um, you know, people are not going to pay $30,000 for a, you know, a little mini pickup that they're going to drive around the property. So it's, it's, a uh, and, you know, Polaris obviously is in the space. Um, it, it would be nice to see, you know, maybe a $10,000 option, uh, for people who are going to kind of keep it on the property. Doesn't need to be homologated. Um, you know, something, something in that space I think would be good. So great to see that this thing's still going. Um, we're still waiting for the, uh, the notification that you're going to do a big group buy. So. <laughs> yeah well if they ever make these things street legal i'll consider it all right um all right we have some comments uh some advertising as well so uh veraf <laughs> kambada is putting up an electric motorcycle plant in india and Pune and looking for venture capital so if anybody's 
got some cash burning a hole in their pocket. Uh, Carl in San Diego is going to be most of the comments here. Um, the frame design was rejected a long time ago. We're talking about the Honda. Um, it's a 1995 Trek Y design. Um, I think, Mikey, you talked about that a little bit. It is kind of an old frame. By the way, your, your video is doing like a little Max Hedrum thing. I don't know if you see that. <laughs> yeah, I think I need a new webcam here. All right. Um, so <laughs> let's move on. Giant is the world's biggest bike company. Did not know that. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that either. All right. Uh, we should we should uh, have a better relationship with them. We should because uh, I want to. I, I like their gravel bikes. I think they do a good job on those. Um, that twin seat option is dope. Great to try one way and sell it off if you don't like it. Uh, what are we talking about here? Um, Still talking about the uh, giant. Yeah, there might right. be that. Yeah, that momentum bike. Yeah, and the Cito, uh has great proportions. The Domino bike looks like a prop from Back to the Future movie. That's a good good way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It to Tron wheels, but also, you know, it's funny those you mentioned that um, it had the uh, brakes that um, what are they called? The old like, oh, the rim, rim brakes. brakes. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the rim brakes like light up the. Uh, the blue thing. <laughs> that would be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Friction-based lighting. Uh, Human-powered vehicle challenge competitors would call that a tailbox because that design increases in efficiency. All right. Interesting. Oh, yeah, because the uh, the way the, the air so goes around. Drop. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got to say Honda, what took you so long building uh, e-bikes? They have a long history of building efficient cars. They botched the EV car revolution badly, and this is their chance to make amends. I feel like Honda did have some sort of e-bike at some point. I guess not. Uh, Yamaha had one of the first production e-bikes. That might be what you're thinking of. Yeah, that's probably it. All right. And then finally, uh, Doomers will lap up the Mach Wheel uh, solar power pack. Uh Sure. Like, I mean, there's uh, something to be said for that. Like preppers, like if you already yeah. have a big battery, why not have a battery that does dual purpose? Right. And then, of course, you know, when the grid goes down in the apocalypse, you need to have the solar panels because theoretically the sun will still be available. Yeah, there, there's something to this. <laughs> all right. I think that's it. Thanks, Awesome. Carl. Well, thank, thank you all for uh, joining us. And we'll be excited to have you back here in another two weeks for the next episode of the Wheelie Podcast. We'll see you next time, everyone.